Christmas is over. Christmas is over. Diddly 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 dee. Diddly diddly dee. We survived whatever it was. <laughs> oh, I'm so delighted. Yeah. I'm so delighted. Although they call this Twixmas, don't they? In between Christmas and New Year's when people who have like who don't have real jobs are just like floating around <laughs> going, Oh, what what yeah. what do we do? It's do? such a cliche, but I genuinely don't know what day it is. No, I don't know either. I, don't I really know. wish I wasn't that person, but I, I am. I do yeah, know yeah. I've eaten a lot of biscuits today already, so, you know. Biscuit day. That's fine. It's biscuit day. Biscuit that sounds day. like the perfect day. I love biscuit day. Oh, great. Every day is biscuit day. We're starting off this episode with lots of lightness and jollity, and that's good. That's a good thing. However, um, what is this episode mm. actually about, Nick? It's a pretty huge topic, this one, in fairness. So it... It's abuse, you know, and in all forms, that's a massive thing to try and tackle. But we're going to do what we can to try and empower people to feel more confident speaking up if they see or experience abuse taking place within our industry. Mm. So we're going to hear from people that have seen or experienced it and are doing something about it. And we've cheered the whole thing up because it wouldn't be us if we didn't try and <laughs> laugh our way out of things um, with a few stories from voiceovers about the worst direction notes they've ever had. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, although some of them are quite appalling too, in fairness, come to think. Mm. But anyway, we, we should probably just pop a little uh, trigger warning in here. You know, among all the talk of bullying and discrimination, we will be mentioning sexual abuse, not in any detail, but it does come up. Yes. So this is kind of the first of a two-parter. So this episode's all about when things go wrong and is a bit heavy, doomy, gloomy and trying to fix bad things. But next month, we're going to be all about when things go right. So this month is called The Bad Session and next month is called The Good Session. And actually, you can be involved in that one. So we'll talk more about this later on. But tickets are right now available for an online workshop we're running this month in January called How to Direct and Be Directed, where we're going to bring together producers and directors, actors and voiceovers for loads of live direction and interactive breakout sessions. And there's a link to it in the show notes. And we'll be turning a bit of it into next month's episode. But if you want to actually take part and be in the Zoom room when we record it, book your ticket. And we'll remind you again about that later. Anyway, back to this month's episode. We asked VO socialites to send us stories of horror from the booth. I feel like that needs its own jingle. Um, (laughs) And we've received some absolute corkers. So not a really bad direction and not particularly mean, um, but I did get a, can you sound more like my nan once? I hadn't met their nan, nor was I doing an impression of their nan. In fact, uh, I wasn't actually playing the role of a nan or any grandma at all. It was, uh, yeah, it was confusing direction, to be honest. I just said I couldn't do it authentically and uh, we moved on. So... Hello, my name's John Harrison. I've been a professional voiceover for over 25 years. And in that time, I've had some fairly odd bits of direction and uh, feedback from various producers and engineers and clients, etc. But I think one of the most bizarre was one I was doing a session down at the Tape Gallery in London, and it was for like a, a fairly high-profile client. It was for a national radio ad and a 30-second script was presented in front of me, and it looked a bit big. Anyway, uh, engineer says, let's just have a go for time and level, John, and see how we get on. And uh, quick read, fairly quick read, came in at 39 seconds. Anyway, uh, creatives come on the talk back. There's three of them there. There's The uh, control room was full of agency people and suits and producers and whatever. 
and um, one of them came on and said, uh, Hi, John, it's sounding really great, uh, but it feels a little rushed. Remember, this is a uh, 30-second script that I just read at 39 seconds. And they said, uh, Can you slow it down a bit? <laughs> Hello, I'm Shelley. I'm Yorkshire voiceover, living in Kent. And um, I'll tell you a little story about a voiceover that I did for a commercial, which was in a studio in London. And um, there were about seven people on the line on Zoom from all over the world. There were some people in LA, some in Canada, some in Spain. And of course, everybody wants to um, have their two penneth, um, give their opinion on, on what's going on. Now, it actually was all going really, really well, but the... Um, Somebody piped up and they said that they wanted the word every day um, doing again. And then we basically had to do it again and again and again for about 10 to 15 minutes in every single way possible that you can think of. Only to realise that the first take that I'd done was actually perfect. They just needed the studio engineer to make it louder in the mix. I'm Dickie Hand. I'm an actor and voiceover artist. A couple of years ago, I was dubbing a um, trailer for a Russian film. I was in Manchester. The engineer was in London with the Russian director and his translator because he didn't speak a word of English. Uh, and I did one take of this uh, of this trailer, and the um, Russian director gave me some very specific and and quite impassioned direction in Russian. It was uh, it was all. <laughs> And um, after all that had been translated, the engineer came on the line and said, uh, Hi, Richard. Yeah, so uh, maybe a bit more angry? Thanks, mate. They are horrendous, aren't they? So <laughs> what's, yeah. been, your, what's been your worst ever direction? Not not like like evil, deadly abuse type direction, yeah, yeah, but yeah. just terrible direction. Aside from like line reads, because I freaking hate them. Like I hate them and I don't yes, think they're necessary. Yes. Apart from those. Um I had this really awkward one. I had to keep going back and had to keep paying me again because I kept getting the words in the script wrong. They did. They had to keep changing the the words. And it was a very kind of sort of related to Irish politics thing. It was like for a particular large shop (laughs) in Ireland. Um, And I was voicing for an ad going out in the Republic of Ireland. And um, I didn't even think about it at the time because it didn't tell me, but I read through and it was like such and such a thing, two pounds. And I was grand and I went away and then I got they got in touch with me and they were like, we're going to have to get you back in to re-record it. And I was like, oh, why? And they were like, because um, it should have been Euros. Ah. I was like, somebody definitely could have, I mean, I would have known that like, <laughs> yeah. if they told me the information. So I, I felt awful because I sort of felt like they were implying it was my fault when it wasn't oh, my no. fault. Like this was a massive campaign with like, you know, one of those classic seven people behind the glass things. Um, So I got back, in, I, I was back in and then I had to say... Two euros fifty, which is actually two pounds, two euros fifty. It's like an extra three syllables, which in like mm. commercial land, oh, it was just really, it was really awkward. And yeah, they didn't bug me again, but <laughs> I think that was my fault. Oh, no, is anyway, it, it was no, but it isn't because if you didn't know, it was for the South yeah, of Ireland. I didn't know. There was it, anyway. so much of it comes down to communication, doesn't it? Like what's yeah. communicated and how it's communicated. Yeah. Uh, oh well, I got paid three times. Thanks. Bye. There is that. There is that. <laughs> um, my worst one, I think. It's a weird one because um, I really like the person who said it, 
So this is why it's such an odd thing. But it was in a session and um, I wasn't getting the style of performance that they wanted. And they suggested that I should perhaps consider acting lessons. Were you being hired as an actor? Uh, yes, yeah, that's right. As well. That's exactly what I've been hired for. Why, yes. why would they even hire you if they didn't think you had any acting experience? Well, they did, but I think they thought that I could do with more. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was just so hard because I I just I don't know. I there was so, there was something that was going wrong in the communication between me and them, and yeah. uh, and then when they said that, perhaps you should just look into some acting lessons. Um, <laughs> I was just like broken and for the rest of the session I had to like maintain the level of like levity <laughs> a superficial coating of levity and continue on and say try try and take that as a note you know sure yeah okay great thank you yeah thank you that is completely useless in session <laughs> feedback well, it's not like can you make it um, brighter or more interesting or can you connect to the character or can you let can you get some acting there okay, great thanks give me six months I'll see I'll, I'll come back and I'll do it that's ridiculous <gasps> oh. it, I mean I, I'm still not over it do you know what I mean it's, it's still it's still a little Coal burn. It's like it's a, you know where things burn cold. Is that even a real thing? Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. burn thing that's burning cold in my heart. That's oh, what yeah. that's what it feels like. And and it, it gets like smaller as the days go by, <laughs> but <laughs> it never really goes away. Anyway, yeah. I think it's best just to go. You know what? They probably didn't mean it in that way. They definitely. They didn't. were probably they having a bad didn't. day. Yeah, I exactly. just needed it done really quickly. And <laughs> yeah. That's the end of it. Yes. 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 Okay. Good. <laughs> good. 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 Okay. We're going to hear from Helen Raw next. Now, she's an actor, singer and theatre and film producer. She's also the woman behind the British Actors Network, a.k.a. BAN, which up till last week was a huge group on Facebook with a strong presence on Twitter and a podcast and big plans to become a separate organisation outside of just social media with a casting site and all sorts. Yes, sadly... Since we recorded the interview you're about to hear, she's actually announced that despite a Herculean effort to make it work, the whole thing's had to close down because of a lack of support and funds. Oh. Um, Helen herself, though, is particularly active on Twitter and has been using it to compile a list of the sort of people you get like warned about on the quiet, but who hmm. are still very powerful in the industry. Anyway, we started out by asking her where the drive to crush bullying comes from for her. When I was bullied mercilessly at, at school. It was horrendous uh, and then I took the beatings from my wee sister because I thought there's no way I'm going to have her going through that so I was like look you know I know you're going to pick on her do it to me instead um, but where where I first came across it I would guess in the industry for want of a better phrase was when I was doing some amateur dramatics so I was involved in, in Carnegie Youth Theatre for quite quite a lot of years absolutely loved it and I also got involved in our local drama groups so I was one of the oldest I was 16 15 16 and it became quite clear that the way that the director ran that was very different to how things were run at Carnegie Youth Theatre. Whether they'd been on the go for longer and they just knew better, whether there was just more general expertise, not entirely sure. Um, but I witnessed him hitting kids with scripts. Uh, Who the 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 the, the director? The, the right. Yeah, he would hit the kids with scripts if they got things wrong. Um, and it wasn't that kind of, oh, you daft silly sausage and bonk them on the head. It was proper <laughs> done in not a very nice, nice way. Um, and I thought, right, I've now witnessed this. 
kids had told me things, but I'm like, I haven't really seen it, so I'm not quite sure what what level they're talking at. I witnessed it, um, and I asked him if I could have a word with him outside, and I said I wasn't happy with what I'd witnessed and that I was going to report him to the other adults. He said, go ahead, don't care, whatever, whatever. And he actually went to punch me uh, He went to face. punch you? He went to punch me, thought better of it at the last second and actually punched the wall, the brick wall instead. It was a, in a church hall and it had like a curved um, brick wall as the entrance. And he punched that wall instead. And then, of course, we went back into rehearsal and he spent most of the time picking the skin off his knuckles Ugh. from where he'd almost punched me. Uh, reported him to the other adults who basically turned a blind eye. Um, we were doing Guys and Dolls <clears throat> um, at the time and he... He was demanding all of us to wear really quite inappropriate outfits for the hotbox sort of um, scenes. Now, bearing in mind, some of these young girls were, you know, eight and nine and 11 and 12. You know, I myself was sort of, you know, like 16 at the time. And I was like, no, I said, I will wear, you know, an all in one sort of teddy that kind of looks like a like a wee mini jumpsuit type thing. I said, and the young girls, they can wear you know, shorts and a crop top. That's it. That That's all you're getting because we're... that That's not right. He wanted us in suspenders and all sorts. I'm like, oh, mate, no. it's a children's theatre. Come on. Um, so he wasn't happy at that. The adults weren't happy that I'd I'd really pushed for this. Um, and a lot of the kids just started coming to me saying, you know, he's, he's freaking us out. He's kind of perving on us. Don't like it. Don't like it. So I put sugar, sugar paper up at all the windows in the sort of church hall dressing rooms. I was shouted at for that because as the director, he must be able to see what was happening at every given second. I'm like, you don't need to see us all changing and, you know, mm. and just walking about in our pants. You don't need to see that. So that was kind of what we're up against. The adults turned a blind eye. So that was kind of my first foray, if you like, into how openly things can be done and other grown-ups don't do anything or help you. Didn't matter who we reported to, nothing got done. So we had no choice but to do something and, and completely walk away from it. There's a lot of people out there who do not want things to change in the industry. They want the status quo to remain because it suits them. It suits them on their little, you know, power horse or whatever you want to call it. It suits them to get away with this behaviour because fear is a big thing. If somebody is too scared to tell on you, then if you're the kind of person that thrives on that, you're just going to get more and more emboldened. And I suppose as well, there's that innate sort of belief as a performer that, well, if this is sort of what it takes and if this is just part of the industry, then I just have to go along with it. And often as a performer, you feel disempowered in those situations. And I suppose the higher up the chain they go with their success and recognition and their own ego, then the worse those things may get, those requests. Yeah. So the, pl- the first time I started becoming aware of you on Twitter was when I saw that you were compiling this huge list of people that were mistreating actors and performers in one way or another. Yeah. So what was it that, that actually prompted that to start happening? Um, in all honesty, it was um, Sarah Everard. I um I I stood in my kitchen when that happened, um, and you know when it came out that oh gosh it could be a you know a police officer and it's like oh my what is happening, and I had a bit of a oh my god in my kitchen. Fortunately, my wee foster cat is deaf, so I didn't disturb her. So I'm having this sort of 
screamed to myself in my in my kitchen going oh my god and there's so much of this there's so much of this that happens in you know the the film industry or the creative industries that I love and that I've seen and that I can't do anything about I've tried reporting nothing's happening why is it so secret but it's the worst kept secret because we all know some of these names but if any one of us speaks up we're we're I don't know how I'm allowed to swear but we're in the SHIT I thought I just oh my god why is nobody doing anything why why is there lots of helplines that don't amount to anything there's no if you report something it's like thanks very much for reporting I hope you feel okay here's a mental health helpline what happens to that report well nothing it is used to pull reports together and that's it oh yes isn't it awful another 300 people reported xyz behavior well what are we going to do about it mm. um and I just, yeah, I then sat at my, my computer and I rage typed that tweet. Do you have the tweets to hand? Uh, one of them was, I'm pulling together a list of abusers in my industry. So many of the abusers do not like that I'm doing this. I don't care. If you have encountered shite, misogynistic, sexual abuse in the industry, please get in touch. Um, that wasn't the very first one because on that one, I'd actually put a little screen grab of part of the list with some of the headings um, that I'd started to yet yeah, to collate. I would have to go searching for the, for the first one. Um, I actually did not expect um, the amount of replies and dms and pms and text messages that i got to the point it was so overwhelming i myself had to go to bapam and say can i please get some therapy to help with this because it got to the point and it still is at the point where if i now watch something on telly i'm like well i know what you did and i know what you did and i know what you did and i really struggle with that so what the individuals who reported to me must feel when they see these individuals still having a great career and doing lots of things while they've been ostracised, I genuinely, I, if I try to, to think about it, it, it really, really upsets me. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of rage tweeted and then got, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I haven't really thought about how I'm going to collate this info. So it started with a blank spreadsheet um, and I would sort of add the information as it was coming through. I would add the columns of behaviours as emails were coming to me. Um, and I think I'm about 80 columns of behaviour and about 300 rows um, at the moment. And I still have um, not far off 200 emails to get through because emails are still coming in. Uh, I did have to stall because it was just it was just too much and it was just so much. But I have promised that I will respond to every single one. I will get back to people. But of course, you know, I was I was able to help um, with a few of the investigations um, that have since been made public. I that, so, so, so in that, in that context, um, uh, somebody is being taken to court over their action mm. and you were able to contact people that had contacted you about that person and ask if they would be interested in joining the court action. Essentially, but then it has nothing to do with me from then on. It is entirely up to the individual who's reported. I let them know that things have, have moved on with particular people and it is entirely up to them if they want to then make contact with the names of the people that I passed them. So they, these people are looking into it. This is happening. This is happening. It's up to you. Um, I don't force anybody. I also don't force anybody to tell me their entire story. Um, some have because it's been very cathartic for them and I either sit at the end of the phone just listening or I'll read and some I mean sometimes I can only get through one or two emails at a time because it is just you know when you think that this has happened to people when all they've done is try to go and do their job 
you think this this is appalling absolutely appalling um so yeah i don't want to ask you to go into detail that's going to feel awful to talk about but i do think that sometimes words like bullying and harassment they can sort of become meaningless and they're like a sticking plaster over the horrible oozing painful reality of what they actually mean yes and so i wondered if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about some of the things that people have been writing to you about yeah um yeah i think you're you're right um the words bullying and harassment certainly bullying gets bandied around a lot so you know if you disagree with somebody suddenly you're a bully in context of the list this isn't just oh somebody was a bit mean to me in class or somebody was a bit rude to me and they walked past me you know on the stage and bumped me a bit and they did that on purpose we're not talking things like that we're talking systemic um bullying and racism we're talking um really quite horrendous sexual assault rape um there's oral rape um the yeah it the, these these are not just situations where someone's felt a bit put out by somebody else. These are really quite serious. Even even the bullying and the harassment side of things, it's it's quite serious. All the way up to the most serious of of rape. You know, I've got reports of people being um, lured to flats for um, what turned out to be like fake auditions, and then not being allowed to leave. And you think, well, strictly speaking, that's kidnap. Um, and the vast majority are too scared to report. Some that have reported, the individuals have been questioned and then they've just been released because one is believed over the other or one has more money for lawyers than the other. Um, folks are still being asked to sign NDAs. Um, it's, it's awful. Some of the things I have read are awful to the point I've had to take such a back step from just the sheer the sheer job of reading the emails because each one I I have to gear myself up to go oh god what am I going to read next so these are really quite serious awful awful things um and there are some very named people shall we say for want of a better phrase um that have that have been named and it's really difficult because at the moment, I have all this information in my head and on, you know, in a, a very secure document. And I feel almost helpless because I can't do anything about it immediately because they're not my stories to tell. They, it's not for me to tell the individual, oh, you must report, you must report. You know, I haven't reported my own rape when I was 17. So I am not going to force somebody else. Oh, you must go to the police because if you don't report yours, then you'll do it to somebody else because that is not on us as the victim so it's it's yeah it's really really quite disgusting horrible things that I'm reading that makes it difficult to watch um some people on screen you mentioned um that you ended up going to BAPAM which I know offer free and reduced rate counselling to people that are struggling for whatever reason is 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 that the what 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 else did you have to do to to sort of protect yourself from 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 the barrage that's being sent to you? Ah, uh, I'm I'm quite good at compartmentalising, um, to the point that it can actually be quite dangerous, because I can I can almost cut something off 
forget about it and then something else will trigger and I will have you know I will then drop a fork in my kitchen and have like this absolute completely not appropriate response to something as simple as dropping a fork because I've sort of suppressed and put away everything else but it's got to find a way to come out um so yeah it, it's it's been it's been a bit of a journey um I've got my last session actually uh, next week and I'm like oh my god what do I do after what do I do after <laughs> so part of the session will be right you know where do I go next um but yeah for for a lot of it I I read it go oh my god and I have my I mean you know just thinking about some of them I'm like oh, I'm filling up just now um you know I have my wee cry input the information send that person an email going oh good god you know I hope you're okay um I don't know what else I can do but at least you know that somebody else knows uh, what's happened to you I believe you um because I think that's the thing there's a lot of oh why are they just saying something now oh this happened to you you know five years ago why are you just saying something now and it's like you have no idea how trauma works on people and it's not about oh they're coming forward now because everybody else is doing it or oh because that person's now got money because I don't think people realize the toll that it takes to to actually say the word so-and-so did x to me um so I I don't take any of the the emails or pms or dms or anything that's, that are coming to me with a pinch of salt which is why I'm quite annoyed uh, with myself that I haven't been able to get through them more quickly because I understand the toll that it's taken on people to send the email in the first place. But at the same time, if I'm an absolute wreck 24-7, I can't help anybody or do anything. Um, you know, we're, we're never going to eradicate bullying and harassment because there's always going to be somebody that, that is going to do it, that is going to behave in that way because, you know, humans be humans. Um, but what we do need to have is a robust something that people can report to like like a higher person if you like uh, a bit like you know if your if your holiday gets cancelled you know you go back you go to is it at all um you know if something goes wrong with your mortgage you know there's the finance ombudsman that will do an investigation uh, we need something like that she is an amazing example of the difference mm. one person can make and Although ban is no longer a thing, Helen is still part of the roundtable discussions on bullying, harassment and discrimination led by Creative UK for the DCMS. So they're working on a few things right now. Um, they're pulling together training for creative industries to use as a blueprint by later next year. And they're looking at how to monitor how effective the support that's available is and how aware people are of it. Also, Time's Up UK is working on a proposal for an industry-led independent body to support the reporting and investigation of misconduct. So we'll keep a lookout for any updates on that and bring them to you when we spot them. What's DCMS, just for anybody who's So yeah, familiar. Department for Culture, Media and Sport. So that's what's happening at a governmental level. So Helen mentioned there that it's up to each individual if they feel ready to report something that's happened to them. And although we want this episode to encourage people to speak up if they see or experience abuse of any kind, we should reiterate that it's absolutely the perpetrator's responsibility to not abuse people in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Like there are lots of reasons why people might not feel able to speak up. Mm -hmm. um, we just want to try and help you feel prepared in case you do find yourself in some kind of situation. Anyway, with that in mind, we wanted to talk about something that's going on in the US at the moment. Yes, right. So mm. as we're recording this, a former voice coach, Peter Roffe, who's accused of sexual assault by a group of women, is back in court. The voiceover and lawyer for voiceovers, Rob Skeglin-Paglia, has told us that since the case is ongoing, 
we need to refer to Rofe's actions as alleged. So that is what we're going to do because an unfair trial is the last thing anybody needs. So we need to make it clear that Rofe denies the allegations. Okay, so do you remember the whole Me Too thing in 2018? Yeah. <laughs> hashtag Me Too, hashtag Me Too. St- stories of sexual assault all over Facebook and so on. Or like just gropings. You know, general Ugh. horrible things have been happening to women. Just uh, your classic daily grope. Da- yeah, classic daily grope. Get your daily grope in. Um, so, well, <laughs> back in 2018, CNN ran a story about 16 women who'd found each other online after they shared similar stories of their experiences with Rafe on social media. Some of them told CNN about incidents they alleged took place as far back as the early 2000s, some as recently as just the year before in 2017. Um... I don't want to be too graphic here, so I'm not going to be. But we've linked the CNN article in the show notes, which is much more specific about what was said and which bits were put where. Uh, the main thing we want to concentrate on here is what happened afterwards. Yeah, so a few years ago, we spoke to a fella called Jamie Moffat, who's a British VO in America and runs Vocation in New York, which is a conference, and makes the VO School podcast. So for one VO School episode, five women who were all coached by Rafe and who all had similarly horrific stories about him came together to talk about their experiences. We'll link to the whole episode in the show notes, but uh, here's a short section. The CNN article did wonders for digging people. That's how I found out. That's how I found out about it. And the the responses were, well, I think, yeah, the responses were, I read this. And my jaw fell on the That's floor. pretty much in, what happened. I was on the toilet at work. And I was just like, wait a minute. Like, I just, like, I just, I yeah. cannot emphasize enough how I truly was going. I was just like, this isn't in the narrative of my career. Yeah. This is not going to be part of my life. I was never going right. to, nope. I had, I had made peace with it. I did finally tell too. my two roommates. Were, they were the first people I'd ever spoken about it out wow. loud after the Me Too thing came out. And we were just, we've got a nice little backyard. And we just, we just like Aww. to hang out in the back and drink wine. And, and it came out. And yeah, and we we were talking and obviously it had enough wine and <laughs> and uh, and yeah and I said and I said well I actually oddly enough do have a me too story that I've never shared with anyone and I shared it with them but yeah. um but yeah I think even after that I was like well that was good that I said it out loud because it was yeah. very hard it's to hard. say out loud I, I, I and, that yeah it and, is. and you know judgment because judgment yeah because yeah, I'm judging myself judgment. with every step because anyone can I ask because we are very much on high alert for victim shaming because it, especially in the arts like it's sort of weirdly vague area mm. has anybody gotten that response from anyone because I've sort of walked the <laughs> no, line. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Well, well, I'm not going to say. But I'm it's, not going to say names new. because I don't want to be one of those people that shame somebody else, but we yeah. all know who I'm talking about, mm. that there is someone in the industry that has has kind mm-hmm. of victim-shamed us. Yes. yes. Great kind radio. of victim-shamed us and has oh. definitely made it more about them than of course, us. Of course. Um, but I will say from the New York side of things, uh, because it was kind of known in the New York community, I have had people call me and say that how proud they are yes. that this I've is finally that happening. Yeah. That they're happy that this is happening, that mm-hmm. they support everything, have pulled me aside and have been just super, 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 super supportive, yeah. including Julia Nippon, who <laughs> is allowing us to use her studio Thank today you, Julia. for you. for free Thank you. Thank you. with wine <laughs> for her for this podcast. But um, there, there has been some. There has been really, really amazing support. I've been shocked um, by that. Yeah, like ninety nine percent of people I tell are like. Fuck yeah, stand up, get yes. burning. Yeah, everybody 
everybody is like, I'm so yeah. sorry this yeah. happened to yeah. you. And, and why didn't you think, well, and, a lot of it, the why didn't you tell me always annoys me. But yeah. a lot of the people I knew back then were like, I can't believe this happened. You were only blocks away from me. Like, right. So. But it is known, like, my um, my non-union agent has emailed me every time someone has talked to her. Wow. Because mm. she, I got her through Peter. And so she was yeah. getting, she was getting emails, did you know about this? I read about this, didn't you used to work with him? And she's mm. like, I absolutely knew. I stopped working with him years ago. Yeah. I have been um, with my clients yeah. that had this happen. I've been supportive of them and helping them in any endeavors to shut him down. Yeah. And she has been ridiculous, over the years, been supportive. This but is your agent. This is one of my agents. Oh, that's yes. excellent. And that's that's very heartening. Very. And, mm. and then actually my union agent sent an email out to all of his clients so and contacts. Agent. Yeah. To wow, yeah, yeah, yes. that's mine too. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, oh, he's so lovely. I love when, him. when did that? So when was he that? sent the email out maybe two, just two a weeks, weeks ago. Yeah, oh, just, just really recently. recently. He was so yeah. nice. He, yeah, and just yeah. like if anybody has anything, please feel free to contact. And he had Heather's contact mm-hmm. and, inf- and and information on how to get into the group. Um, but there has been tremendous support in the yeah. New York voiceover community. That's, because, that's wonderful because that's where he was. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and it's just too well known, yeah. even if people didn't talk about it. It's just, you know. I mean, he was recommended. I'll never forget it, how he was recommended to me. It's unbelievable. Same, same. And this is a trap. You are sending someone into a trap. Into and that an is what, app, yeah. Well, that's what annoys me about him. If we are sure he's still in business, I'm not sure. But there is still that potential for a trap. Absolutely. That's honestly my biggest, With I mean, for me, to have discovered all of you women has been oh my God. unbelievably oh. helpful. And I know that Same. it will continue to be so for me. Yeah. I, you know, it's just nice to know that, like, if I'm having a shitty day, you know what I mean? <laughs> I can jump on and be like, oh, I couldn't do it today. You know what I mean? I, and I feel, I feel sometimes feel guilty because it's not as though I take... I'm not into schadenfreude at all. And I, it's not as though oh, I take I any... Right, <laughs> oh my God. right now, I'm the making an exception. What because... his life must look like. I spent oh. 14 fucking years thinking that because I was at fault. And I hope he feels Same. real bad. And there is strength in numbers. And so while I take no pleasure in this having happened to any of you or anybody else, there has been something very, there's something about, as corny as it sounds, the magic of sharing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. It's been therapeutic. It's been really therapeutic. And I feel like, oh, it wasn't just me. I'm not the only one who didn't get up and walk out. Now, anyone out there listening that's just starting out or even a veteran it, we're in this wonderful age of women right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to make this like all rah-rah, but we are. It that, is. That this it is, is rah-rah. This is, it is. The it time is, is up. Make it rah-rah. Scared. Go ahead. They yeah, should be scared. They should, they, <laughs> not sexual predators should be scared. They should be scared, and it's not permissible anymore. No, and no. so if you are female in any industry, whether you're listening to this because you want to start voiceovers, yeah. whether you're already in it, whether you have nothing to do with voiceovers and you work someplace else. Yeah. What this has really come down to is, unfortunately, where we were before, we felt that we couldn't say anything. Yeah. It's not that way anymore. Right. You have the right to say something. You have the right to stop it. You have the right to press charges. You have the right to say it's not okay. You have the right to not feel shame. Yeah. And so... Even if it's after the fact... I want to like even yes. if it's even if it's not I'm even if you don't later. see this yeah. was my thing. <laughs> I thought that I missed my window of opportunity no because I hadn't said something right then and there. And yeah. I love what you're saying right now, Alyssa. But I really want to be clear that even if you didn't say something right then and there, you can say something say after, now. and it's well, not like too I mean, that, late. 
the four of us are, you know, not within the statute of limitations. So but we, if but we it's hadn't still, said anything, yeah, but we wouldn't have found the people exactly. that are. Exactly, 100%. That's what I mean. It's still worth it. Well, it we're is. taking him down regardless. Oh, he's right. super done. He's done. Bye. I hope he's Bye. Bye. I hope he's listening to this. Well, he's as much of a narcissist, I think, that would, would listen to this, maybe. <laughs> um, sure. But here's, but here's the thing with what you just said to kind of bookend that, mm-hmm. is that most of these men that do these things... They don't do it once. Oh, nope, no way. That's true. Just because they that did it true. to you 14 years ago, yep. they didn't stop there. No way. And so even if it was 14 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago, mm-hmm. if they're still yeah. alive, there is a more than fair chance yep. that, that they it did again. it to yep. someone else. Yep. And you might be the one that empowers that person like to come Elizabeth forward did and for, stand up. For us, yeah. Yes. Stand up. Like Elizabeth, she, hey, what's up? Thank you for doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> You're going to find a sisterhood like yep. we have all found. I just got chills. Um, you're going to find <laughs> support that we have all found. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that has been so strong for me is just that realization that we're not alone. Yeah. Well, thank you very much to all five of those Mm -hmm. women and Jamie for giving us permission to play that clip. Um, If you do feel able, I recommend listening to the whole thing because hearing women talking together and sharing their experiences and supporting each other is an incredibly powerful thing. Um, We've got some updates on all of this. Uh, So after that was recorded in 2018, the case went to court but was dismissed the following year because of the statute of limitations, which means that too much time had passed since the alleged incidents took place for legal action to be taken. An appeal was brought against the decision early in 2021, saying that Roffe's company, PDR, should be held accountable for his actions. But that appeal was dismissed, mainly, from my understanding of it, because PDR was just him, not any kind of definably separate corporate structure. Robska Glimpaglia, though, has told us that the appeals court has now overturned that dismissal, and the case is back in court again, so we'll bring you any updates on that when they happen. And we wanted to play you that clip, though, because some of those women say they were holding on to what happened to them for years and years. It affected their relationships. It affected their careers. Hardly any of them still work in voiceover. And when they spoke out, they found a sisterhood and a network of support that has helped, you know. They thought they were alone, but they weren't. Right. Nick, what's next? So we've got some more stories from the booth coming up, including one voiceover who was put in a rather awkward position mid-session over the gender of his voice. And we'll be hearing how Joe the VO, (laughs) Joe the VO, is getting on with his (laughs) VO career planner. But first, let's find out how equity can help with practical steps you can take if you're experiencing any of this hideous stuff. Here's Annette Rizzo from the Equity Audio Committee in... News from Equity. The first thing you need to do is you need to consider what evidence you can assemble. So have there been more than one incident, incident or incidents um, that you can point to? Were there witnesses? And if so, can you get some kind of corroboration from them? Is there evidence in the form of, say, WhatsApp or text messages, uh, emails? Perhaps some of it's happened online and it's something you can screenshot. So what evidence can you assemble that supports what you're saying about the way that you've been treated? Um, That's hugely important. That's part of it. You can also call your union. You know, you call equity and you say, not only for the, the, the nuts and bolts of here's the evidence of what's happened, but sometimes I think it's important that you just have somebody to talk to who will confirm for you that what you're experiencing is bullying or harassment. Uh, having somebody in official position who can listen to you and say, 
yeah, that's not just workplace banter. That's actually serious. I think that's, again, a, a hugely important step in being able to take action when you've been on the receiving end of some kind of treatment, whether it's, you know, sexual harassment, uh, whether it's uh, bullying, whatever it is. Um, you know, some behaviour isn't just unpleasant. It's borderline criminal uh, or maybe more than borderline. So if we are talking about something that is, uh, let's say, uh, criminal behaviour, or maybe it's something that isn't criminal but is still actionable legally, then you can get legal advice. There is a legal advisor who is employed by the union and you as a member are entitled to some free legal advice. So that should give you a certain amount of um, uh, confidence that you're not on your own uh, and they can direct you where to go. The information is treated completely confidentially. Um, They're not going to do anything unless you say it's okay for them to do something. Um, So don't worry about that, because obviously that is something people worry about. They worry about that if if somebody else goes in or guns blazing for them at the inappropriate moment, that they lose work, they become blacklisted, whatever. Uh, So they they will only do what you tell them um, you're happy with them doing. You may feel that actually it's had a, a serious impact on your mental health. And as a member of the union, you are also entitled to free sessions, I think it's five free sessions from BEPAM, so it's the British uh, Association of Performing Arts Medicine, Uh, and you are entitled to counselling sessions. Um, And that may be something that actually helps you enormously because it it does take its toll when you're on the receiving end of that kind of behaviour. Oh, I'm having a terrible time. Oh no, what's the matter? This episode, it's getting me right down. I don't want to think about people being assaulted and mistreated and awful awfulness. Oh dear. Well look, I know what'll cheer you up. What? Well, you know Source Elements were voted Industry Services Provider of the Year at this year's Vox Awards? Yeah. And they provide software licences and free training to underrepresented and marginalised groups in the audio tech and sound recording industries. Oh yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes about that. And they've been supporting the VO Social podcast like Absolute Troopers for the last year and a half. Yeah. Well, they've just agreed to carry on being our sponsors for another six months. Yay! Source Elements. Connect. Collaborate. Create. I had this awkward situation pretty early on in my career. I think I'd been voicing for one or two years. Um, And the job came through. It was for a video game and it looked pretty cool. Um, The character was like just a merchant, sort of shady guy. He was like a thief and a merchant. Um, But they told me they just wanted my voice on this character so I accepted that I was like yeah cool um I tried a few things out for the next few days as you do like doing a bit of practicing when the session comes along they then announce to me that they actually don't want players to be able to tell the gender of this particular character and it's supposed to be genderless so at this point I just know I'm the wrong person for the job I've never even claimed to be a character actor and I don't generally venture too far away from my own voice Um, So I quite painfully tried a few things which were at best bad voice acting and at worst potentially pretty offensive. Um, But I mean, the job, it should have gone to someone non-binary or an actor with a really good understanding of the nuances between different gendered voices. Yeah, when I look back on it, I still get pretty stressed thinking about it Um, because it was a really awkward situation, but... um, sort of gave me the integrity to turn jobs down that I knew weren't for me. Um, But obviously, that sort of information should have been key. It should have been the first thing they told me. Bullying. Cool. I've so many examples where to start. Um, This is a standout. And the chap 
who was dishing it out was is was well known for behaving in a less than professional manner. I was recording uh, weather bumpers and the producer um, sent me the script and linked up via ISDN um, and I read through it and he was silent and then he finally said, very nice, Rachel. Now read it again without sounding like a stupid cow. Now I'd not long had my baby daughter and... um, I just sobbed for the rest of the day. It was so undermining and so hurtful. Um, but but as I say, you know, he had a reputation for being less than professional. So and he doesn't do it anymore. He's retired, thankfully. So you're all safe. It was much easier experience than the last angle we made. Oh dear, I never want to think of that again. Dearie me. <laughs> dear oh dear. Right, yes, so um exciting news all round um is that the planner has Sold out. Work. Well, so exciting. I, it's absolutely ridiculous. They've all gone. All of them are gone. All of them are gone. Is they're, they're all out in the world. It's amazing. We're going to be sending out feedback forms in the next week or two to everyone who's got one to get them to tell us what they like about it, what they want us to improve, what they think needs adding, how they feel about the structure, all of those things. And we're going to be taking all of that feedback and putting it into the um the 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 the. the What's it? The platonic ideal of what the print version should be. What's it called? The, 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 the PDF. The PDF. The PDF, we'll call it. Um, and then we're going to be sending this new version out to the printers in the next um, in the next few weeks. And then we're going to be getting back into production with different binding. We're going to go for different binding this time, aren't we? And uh, new stuff, new stuff in it. So if you haven't got one yet, then um, you can click the link in the show notes to join the, the essentially it's a waiting list, but it says uh, type your email here to be notified when they're back in stock. And so that's what that's what our waiting list is. People it's could wonderful. be sitting with a cup of tea and a pencil and like writing in it right now. They might like be. People you are literally are. sitting in their like, you know, dream corner of their bedroom or whatever they decide uh, to call where they do corner. their corner. How lovely. Um, <laughs> my, my dream I, corner's got an ironing board in it, isn't it? As yeah, a... I don't have a dream corner. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Great, That's I love very American. Is it? Is it an American thing? I have no dream idea. Corner. Tell us if you're in America. Do you have a dream corner? <laughs> <laughs> great, 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 great. So um, you may remember anyway. the last time we spoke to Joe, he'd gone completely mad and come up with five goals instead of the regulation three. Come on, dear, Joe. Dear. God, yeah. Well, he's tidied them up a bit since then, and now he has three key goals. So because it's been absolutely insane and we have not been able to all three be together at the same time, I just spoke to him and I'm going to play Nick. Um, Nick is going to hear the um, interview with him now as well. But I started off by asking him to look at the first page of his planner. That's the goal setting page, which has three columns with a series of questions underneath and take us through the answers to the questions just about his first goal. So goal one is acting slash training. So what I realized was that I was neglecting training um that I wasn't putting into my craft as much as I could have um and just been winging it (laughs) um for the last year and you know I'm very proud of what I've accomplished but I know that I can do a lot more and with that you know 
I want, like I said, do more acting and I think they'll go hand in hand with just the, the overall voiceover performance and also just getting more like gaming parts, um, drama roles and yeah, just, just helping in that way. Um, and I just feel that I need to do more training just across the board to A, you know, improve my skills and also learn new skills, um, which I feel are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've found that through just experience and maybe little um, hurdles I've had to jump over during jobs or auditions and stuff like that. And I've realized I've, I'm missing certain skills or experience to get through them. Um, so what I want to do in new year is more um, acting, gaming, drama roles, so definitely training is is a big part of that and it's something that I'm going to need to invest time and money into. Brilliant. And what is the next, what's the question in the column, the first question in the column? Um, so it's why do I want to achieve this goal? And what have you written? Um, and um, so that would be for fulfillment, just me as a person knowing that I'm I'm adding to my arsenal of, of skills and just career progression. You know, this is... Uh, a job that changes all the time. You're going to need new skills. Um, there's new trends all the time. You're going to need to adapt to certain situations. So um, I'm going to need all of these things to to be successful. And, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really, I was, I was getting used to everything. So everything was new. But when things start to become, you start to see a pattern in things. Um, you realise again what i said previously what you're missing what you need to add on so um yeah i definitely think it will add to my career progression brilliant question two what's the next question how will achieving this goal make me feel splendid (laughs) Um, There's not much more to it. Like when, when I saw that, I did kind of like laugh to myself because obviously it's, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, a good feeling. But there's <laughs> not much more to that. I don't know what more to say. But I, I, think I, I just that's in that question's in there because I think we've sometimes set goals for ourselves that we feel that we should be setting like I know that I want this therefore I should be setting this goal in order to achieve it and it it sort of becomes almost a mechanical exercise but by tying it Mm. into your emotions it becomes maybe more important and more tied into your sense of self-importance and self-worth and and becomes more likely to be something that you feel you need to achieve for yourself rather than as something you feel it's something you ought to be doing yeah I feel I feel a lot of just my personal life decisions or just um, career decisions are motivated by the fear of failure. I feel um, just not wanting to fail, and I think that drives me. Um, you know, I've I've done X Y Z, and I want to achieve X Y Z plus more going forward. So that's why I want to do it. You know, I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to. <laughs> Um, rest of my um, laurels kind of thing I just want to keep going forward I don't want to move backwards so I guess yeah that, that fear <laughs> I don't want to fear I don't want to fear failure I don't want to fail I just want to be happy <laughs> splendid splendid um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, yeah that, that, that that's why I want to feel that way I, I guess. think that's that's a nice sort of uh, about turn then um, mm. to actually turn your sight around to 
actually achieving something that will feel splendid rather than just something that won't feel like a complete uh, failure and disgrace. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a real, yeah. that's a, that's a positive shift. So it's great that that's what you have yeah. there. Splendid, splendid. Feels, let's all feel splendid. <laughs> <laughs> great. What's the next question? Um, the free actions to get me there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first and obvious one is looking for coaches um, uh, and courses. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple um, sessions booked in for January. Great. Um, Great. To, yeah, just get the ball rolling um, and see how that goes. Hopefully I continue with, with those coaches. But I think on the side of that, I do also want to do a uh, actual larger course in person because um, this, I think, you get a full sense of security when you're, well, me personally, because I've only done this for like a year professionally where I'm in my my safe space all the time and the closest I get to people is <laughs> on the screen. Yes. So you start to think, oh, I can do this with my eyes closed or I, I do this, I work in my space well, but when I'm out of my space, how do I work kind of thing? And I, I want to put myself in that, that, position where I have to think of my feet and I have to work off of other people and also just have confidence in what I can do and my abilities because you know I don't know my my limits yet I, I've never been pushed so I want that so great I don't know when obviously there's a lot going on in the world but I think um in the next couple months hopefully I, I should be able to enroll into a course that I'm looking at um and yeah just take it from there do you know what? I was looking at it for a while, but every time I go on the website, I, I get my tabs open and something just tells me, no, don't do it. Don't. And then I'm like, why? And then I keep going <laughs> back and forth and I push it to the side and then I'll go back to it maybe a few weeks later and I'm ready to book and then something just what is it? pushes me what off. What is it? I don't know. It's it's really weird. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like it's my subconscious telling me you're not ready yet or something else is going to happen or I don't know what it is um but I feel my the, the conversations I've been having with yourself and like-minded people and I just feel like everything's falling into place at the right time and I feel this is probably the best time to do it whereas maybe you know when I was looking at this I, I think I looked at this originally maybe in August I think and yeah it just was like nah don't do this like this looks like a scam <laughs> or something like that and then you read reviews or it's just weird I and feel then obviously like that is paying... not that's I don't know if that's your subconscious telling you that's not the right time or if that's you undermining yourself for some other bigger maybe. emotional reason that maybe, maybe you shouldn't dig yeah. around it I, th- I think also it's it's ov- when you part with a large sum of money it's obviously it's, it's still affordable but there's that that oh, what am I getting at the end of this? And why am I doing this? And there's so many other courses, like why, like all of these questions come in your head. Mm. And But like I said, like now, I feel it's the best time to do it. I feel I'm ready for it now. It's something I want to do and I don't think I'll shy away from it. So, And I think there are two reasons yeah, think, to do courses as well. There's the obvious one, which is to learn the thing on the course. And that's brilliant. That's, that's, that's the main one. But the other one is to make you like feel on a weekly basis or more regularly than that, 
that you are on track, that you are doing the thing yeah. that is pushing you forward towards your goal. And that's that's not to be underestimated, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I I hundred percent wanted to do it in person. I didn't want to do an online course. Mm. Um just because, like I said, I wanna feel uncomfortable. I want to I want to feel kind of like you know, people just <laughs> give me judging eyes and be <laughs> thinking on the spot and be like, do this. Because I think it clicked a couple weeks ago. I had a audition. Um, I had to go to a studio, a big studio at that. Had to go in there. And I think that was that was like the, the end of it for me. I was like, nah, this is not going to happen to me again. Like I went in there like really nervous. Yeah. And I knew I was nervous and... Um, everyone was nice in there. The clients were nice, but it was just it was just that feeling like eyes on you, and I've never had that in that circumstance in a way because it was an audition as well. And I was like, I, I don't like this. Like next time I come into this kind of situation, nah, this is not going to happen. And that's why I want to do that in person. I want to feel like that again. I want to feel like that again in the training circumstances, and. Yeah, so I can just get it out and be like, okay, cool. Now what? <laughs> Throw something at me kind of thing. Brilliant. And I know it doesn't happen overnight. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, there's people been acting for years, you know, and it, it takes a long time, but I, I need to get my foot through the door at least. So I'm prepared. And is there a third um, um, action you can take to get you there? Um... Well, as well as the, the courses and training, um, just doing passion projects. Um, you know, there's there's um, a lot of them out there mm-hmm. that are just, you know, people just in the same um, position as me who are writing scripts and just want people to, to bring their stories to life kind of thing. So they're more than happy to have people like, like me who are inexperienced. So I do want to do a lot more of those. Um, I have touched base with a couple um writers um this month and nothing has clicked yet but i'm sure there'll be more and um yeah just (laughs) keep doing that really just put myself out there and seeing what happens really i could listen to joe's voice all day it's lovely it's lovely it's lovely 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 i love it do hire him um (laughs) okay three things popped out if you want, if you want my uh, input there, I would like yeah. all three things, please, one after the other. Yep. Um, so the first thing was the word, like he said, failure. So you know, something that drives oh, yeah. him is is fear of failure, and I do think it's worth pointing out that like failure is not a bad thing. Hmm. I think we we have this whole like failure thing wrapped up in like horror and terror, and sure, sometimes mm-hmm. failing is mortifying and embarrassing, and it costs you money, and it can be emotionally painful or professionally difficult, but. Nearly every time we fail at something, we come out of it with like a new mindset or a way of Hmm. changing things or adapting or growing. So I do think just exploring, reframing the idea of fear of failure being a a driver for doing something is is probably quite useful. Like I bet everyone would be like, oh, God, I'd hate to fail. Failing's awful. Or God, yeah, I totally get that. I I keep pushing because I don't want to fail. But firstly, Hmm. what what does failure mean to you to start Mm -hmm. with? You know, put that in your own context. And we do have to be careful with the narrative we tell ourselves as humans because our brains are at the same time incredibly s- smart and clever but also in s- brilliantly dumb and if we tell them <laughs> if we tell them certain messages they start to believe it even if it's not true 
So if you keep saying, I've got to do this because I can't fail, I can't fail, I can't fail, I can't fail. I just think that's not like the most positive and useful narrative. Um, so I think thinking about what failure means to you in your context and all the growth you can find in failure um, is a productive way of, uh, of of dealing with that. Great. Um, other thing was I loved that he said, even though he's a new voiceover artist and not been doing it very long, he already sees that the industry is constantly changing and constantly oh, in flux. Nice, and yes. he's like, you have to adapt. You have to always be able to adapt. How often, Leah, do we see in like the internet world people who've been doing it for ages moaning mm. about change maybe or just struggling with it just struggling yeah. yeah and that does that comes out in moaning moaning's unfair there is a bit of moaning but sometimes <laughs> people moan because they don't know what else to do you know yeah, yeah, and yeah. that comes from lack of um, access or understanding of what training means to people and what training can do like training isn't ju- people don't just get coaching to learn how to be a better voiceover artist mm. they they get coaching to learn how to do a new genre of voiceover or to learn a new piece of technology or to update their information on quoting and the sort of the social side of it or whatever mm. Olympic athletes still get training Mm. It doesn't mean like just because you're good at it doesn't mean you stop training because there's loads of different benefits. And it's really important to even as a coach. Oh, my God, I still get sessions. I still train because it's important for me to remember what it's like to be a student and to understand Mm. that process and the little moments of failure, etc. that you go through and what that feels like, which is sort of what he talked about when he was saying how he went to that session and was a bit overwhelmed by all those people staring at him. Doing an in-person course is a brilliant idea um, mm. because it puts you in that context. Great. What was your third thing? Oh, uh, the third thing was uh, gut instincts, like something told him he wasn't ready or something told him that course wasn't right for him at that time. Mm. And I think there's a real power in that. Like we have a gut brain that, you know, that kind of like is it Malcolm Gladwell, like blink instinct, that first like three seconds of something's not right here. And it might not be anything to do with the quality of the product yeah, on offer. Right. It could just be that you're not in the right headspace to receive that information or whatever. Um, but I'm a real believer in trusting your instincts in that. And I would also say, like, reach out to the person doing the course. If you think it's not right for you, reach out to them. Ask what you think. You know, mm. ask if they think you're ready, what they'll expect from it, all that kind of stuff. You know, we spoke quite explicitly about outcomes and what he was going to get from it. And if he's looking at that going, I'm not sure what I can get from this, then... No decent coach is going to turn down a 10 or 15 minute chat just to help somebody see that. Yeah. Failure adapting guts. Brilliant. Failure <laughs> adapting guts. That's yeah. that, uh, Yes. Good. Brilliant. OK, so um, we have one more thing to say to you, and this is this. Book your ticket for the How to Direct and Be Directed oh God, uh, workshop. Do. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be brilliant. And um, the reason why I'm saying it very specifically and clearly with no mistakes or anything is because I am unable to send out an email newsletter about anything without screwing it up completely. <laughs> <laughs> Last time the links weren't even there. This time the links were the wrong links. I'm just going to play to you the uh, voice message that I sent to Nick after I had just realised what I'd done. I'm going to beep um, a bit of it for um, <laughs> some some perhaps American sensibilities. I believe one of the words in here is a stronger word over there than it is here. Anyway, here you are. God damn it! I just sent out the Mailchimp with the wrong link in it. I sent the one with the like manage your event link in it. I just had to send out another email saying, "Oh, here's the one with the right link in." Like eight. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I just want you to know how strongly I feel about how badly that went. And what did I respond to you? What did I um, say? Oh, he said, ha, please don't worry about it. Something lovely. Um, yeah, look, we are not experts in admin and correspondence. We're experts <laughs> in voiceover, try. okay? I try, I <laughs> But try. it's going to be amazing and the spots are limited, aren't they? So uh, don't miss it. Um, who's involved? Can we say who's involved? Oh, yeah, yes. I mean, if you'd like more details, do click on the link in the show notes. But we are doing this in collaboration with the Talking Creative podcast, which is hosted, produced and presented and made by Sam Boffin, who um, was um, a, a producer at the BBC for, no, sorry, a director at the BBC for about 20 years. And now she works freelance. She's a voiceover and a voice director and she's amazing. So uh, we're going to be doing a panel session chat about um, the sort of common problems that come up in sessions that um, that need to be like worked through by both performers and directors. And then we're going to be picking three people to do some live direction with on three different types of copy and then we're going to be going into breakout rooms to do exercises working on different scripts with them people with, uh, from different parts of the industry in each room so it's going to be it's going to be brilliant super interactive and only a little bit of it will be in the podcast um, episode next month so if you want to actually be involved in it any opportunity to get directed yeah exactly when you work so much on your own exactly. is, is, is golden opportunity so do it do, do it. it do it I've been Leah Marks I've been Nick Redman and, and we, we are the, the voiceover social. Five years and we still get that wrong. Yeah, I, well, I'm trying to sneeze currently. <laughs> That's my... Um, oh. I even looked at a light, it didn't happen. Where's my sneeze? Um, anyway. Together till the end.